Hello, welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. Hope you all are doing all right today. Um, it's gonna, you know, it, it's an obvious topic that we're gonna be discussing today. We're gonna be talking about watches and wonders. Watches and wonders kicked off, and there have been some incredible watches that have been released, um, some divisive watches as well. Um, and uh, so, at Life on the Wrist, we're gonna cover most of the most of what is going on in watches and wonders. Um, I think there were some standout performances from a lot of the different manufacturers. Some watches that definitely um, went against maybe what a lot of people like. And so I'm going to go over um, a couple of the things that I thought were fairly interesting, fairly um, fairly uh, large events that happened in the in the in the uh, watches and wonders over the last couple weeks. Um, I also want to just give a, a, a few thoughts on watches and wonders as a as a event uh, in the in in your calendar, uh, your watch, your watch enthusiasts calendar. Um, so, Watch and Waters really has taken over as one of the one of the main um, trade events where you can go and see all the new releases from these these watch companies. Basel World used to be um, really the the big event that a lot of manufacturers participated in to show the world the watches that they were releasing for that year, and unfortunately. The enthusiasm for Basel World has diminished over the last couple of years due to pricing and organizational um, decisions, and so a lot of companies have decided to leave uh, Basel World and participate in Watches and Wonders or have their own kind of shows each year to to debut the, the watch that they are uh, releasing for that year. Now, obviously, this is a focus on modern watches. I know that we cover vintage watches as well on this on this podcast and on our channel uh, and our website. Um, but what I thought I would do is kind of you know, go over some of the modern, the modern, you know, events that, that happen. So Washington Wonders, I think, has done a, an incredible job of creating something completely new. It doesn't feel like anything else that's really happened when it comes to uh, modern watch releases. I was really excited to see kind of the format that they took, especially in this virtual world. It, it almost feels like they have um, like a like a network on on TV, sort of like um, a news channel on, on TV. So they have like a morning update where they talk about all the watches and then the releases are kind of in that kind of news format and obviously this is news for the, the watch world but I did think it was it was pretty pretty cool how they how they did this I think it allows you to be pretty well informed very um, nice formats especially with um, with it being virtual you know you can participate in multiple many of these events um, throughout the the weeks um, I really, I really like it. I, I think they've definitely shown a, a, a very um, a professional, uh, you know, they've created a very professional environment for these watches to be released. And, and obviously, you can't go and see them in person. Um, but the um, videos and release images have really been great to kind of see them. So uh, kudos to Watches and Wonders for creating something really, um, really great. Um, so what I thought I would do is go over some of the watches that we, um, that really were, um, I don't want to say controversial, I think the, the right term would be um, divisive. Um, and maybe, and I do want to just throw in one, one watch that I, I really liked. So um, I, I think we'll start with Breitling, which we covered um, uh, yesterday. So Monday, the the twelfth of April, we released a an article where we discussed the Breitling releases for Watches and Wonders. Last Friday, we we talked about the Rolex releases, but we'll talk about Breitling first. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to our article and our video um, 
on these watches, but Breitling came out with a really awesome lineup for their Premier Heritage watches. And I think there were three that really stood out to me. The first was the B09 Chronograph, the second was the Duograph, and the third was the uh, Datora. And um, I think if you are a vintage watch enthusiast, uh, Breitling really hit home for you. They, they released watches that were inspired by obviously the watch they had produced in the 40s for their um, Premier, Premier lineup. Um, and these watches are extremely vintage inspired. You know, the, the basic elements of these watches are um, applied uh, Arabic numeral. Yeah, Arabic numerals. You have very classic um, uh, hours and minutes hands with um, very simple layouts to their to the dials, um, and then you have the tachymeter around the outside for most of the chrono for the chronographs that they that they produced. Um, Definitely check out our, our article so you can see some of the images of this. But the chronograph was really interesting because this is like the vintage watch enthusiast dream when it comes to a, a chronograph. Um, like I said, it's a two-subdial two um, register with very simple, um, quintessential uh, vintage chronograph aesthetics. What was really cool about the B09 is that they actually came out with a pistachio green dial on a stainless steel in a stainless steel case. Uh, which I thought was really awesome. Also, you flip this watch over, um, you see a really beautifully finished uh, Breitling in-house uh, movement that um, that uh, you have a display case back, so you're able to actually see it, and you can see the beautiful column wheel. Uh, column wheel. Um, that obviously is eye-catching for most uh, watch enthusiasts. So that was really cool. The duograph was really awesome. This is a split-second chronograph. Many of the same aesthetics as the B09, but this is a split-second chronograph, so you have two chronograph hands. Um, this watch as well has a display case back, which is really cool to see, especially when you are looking at a split-second um, split movement. It's really awesome. This is a watch that a lot of people were asking or wanting Breitling to release and I thought this was really awesome and then the third watch that they released was actually a calendar chronograph so this is think about the vintage universal Genève uh, tri-compacts this is exactly this has very very similar aesthetics you have this chronograph with the day of the week and the month up in um, rectangular um, rectangular windows at 12 o'clock then you have a three subdial register. You have the seconds on the um, nine o'clock uh, subdial. You have a thirty-minute counter for your chronograph at three o'clock, and then at nine o'clock you have <clears throat> a third sub um, a subdial with a moon phase and the day of the um, month uh, indicator. Um, again, this is like like a vintage watch enthusiast stream. This is exactly what you want, and it's really awesome that they're coming out with in-house in-house uh, modern Breitling, um, Breitling movements, obviously, for these watches. Um, because I think a lot of the times with, with vintage watches, sometimes you're a little hesitant on, you know, wearing and, 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 you know, it's hard to source different parts for movements and so you don't want to break it. Um, so, and obviously, if you're wearing a watch and using it as it should be, you know, it's normal that your, your movement is going to have some wear to it. Um, but it's nice to see vintage aesthetics coming through in the modern, modern watches, and um, and not be, having to worry about about you know movements breaking or anything like that. This is this is this for me was one of my absolute favorites, and I think Breitling did this very well. What I was really nervous about, you know, a couple of years ago, Breitling 
um, Breitling was acquired by a private equity firm, and a lot of the a lot of people were kind of nervous that this was going to cause changes to what they produced and the watches that they focused on in their in their lineup. And I think um, what's really nice to see is that you know a couple of years after that happened, they're still paying tribute, and well, one they're paying tribute to the the heritage of their 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 brand by you know coming out with these modern iterations of their their vintage watches um, but they also are doing it very very well they're not sourcing ETA movements and just plugging them into which again like uh, nothing wrong with that but they're not you know trying to cut costs here and there and making things more cheap more cheaply um, they are investing in in the right things and, and that's really um, exciting for 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 me to see um, the next thing I wanted to do is actually go into a watch that was released and I think a lot of people were excited about this and I think this color has become extremely popular but that is the Patek Philippe Nautilus reference 5711. Now they have this olive green dial uh, for this watch. Um, I think over the last couple of years blue dials have been extremely popular. Blue dials on everything have been very very popular and Patek Philippe decided to give their classical 5711 one of their um, most desired watches by far, I think, um, at least from from a mass perspective. Um, they decided to give it an olive green dial. This watch is already uh, insanely priced um, on the on the secondhand market. Um, you know, so the fifty seven eleven they released, they did have that green dial in with a, with a steel case, but then they also came out with a fifty seven eleven with baguette diamonds around the 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 bezel of the watch in a steel case i think the biggest thing with this watch is a lot of people were scratching their head thinking okay so you put baguette diamonds on a steel watch kind of a interesting interesting um decision most of the times you see baguette diamonds on you know precious metals like gold or platinum or something like that and so that was an interesting decision and i think a lot of people were questioning that um the the, these two watches, the the steel without the baguette diamonds is about thirty five thousand U S dollars, and the one with the baguette diamonds is about ninety five thousand U S dollars. Um, this those prices are are never going to hold. Um, I think I saw in Chrono Twenty Four, some of the the steel without the baguette diamonds going for a quarter of a million U S dollars, which I think is absolutely insane. Um, and it really shows the the desire to have something like this one and and the the staying power of this reference but also how incredibly influential the secondhand market is um on on the prices of these watches and and uh you know i, I think this is going to be a very important watch for for patek Philippe, even though the real only difference for this watch is that it has a green dial but um, those little subtle changes will be very important for the history of of these brands now I wanted to go over to something that received a little bit more controversy, and that was the Rolex Explorer 1 um, that Rolex released in a uh, two-tone color. So they use, they use gold and uh, stainless steel uh, for this watch. We did an article last Friday about this, an article in a video about this last Friday, where we kind of went through some of the, the main releases from Rolex. And I thought this one was interesting. So I think... The, the first change that they really did with the Explorer 1 was they reduced the size of this watch to 36 millimeters, which I think was a good decision to, to make. It makes it, it, go, it takes the watch kind of back to 
um, the original Explorer one and kind of make sure that the sizes and proportions of this watch are, are the same. But but I think the, the biggest thing that also they did was um, they they came out with this two-toned watch with a black dial. I think there's a lot of controversy over this one because it's, you know, an Explorer watch should be in stainless steel. It's, you know, uh, it's supposed to be a utility watch. Um, However, uh, I think this watch has now kind of bled into perhaps something a little bit more classical and maybe something a little bit more dressy. This reminds me of a lot of the vintage um, date justs that um, from the early 2000s where they have two-toned two -toned, uh, cases and, and bracelets and a smooth bezel. And I think this is now you know allowing for this watch to be a little bit more versatile, which I think is kind of cool. Um, you know... It's hard to, some you know, when you have an idea about a watch and it has a heritage of being a sports watch and it has a heritage of being a watch you go exploring with and hiking Mount Everest, you know, um, you know when you when you when you know that history, it's difficult to sometimes let go of it and maybe add a different aspect or a different um, perspective on what you can use that watch for. The vast majority of people are not taking this watch up to Mount Everest, um, and so. As a manufacturer, I think Rolex probably was thinking that and saying, how, how else can we make this a versatile watch? Um, whether you like it or not is really up to you. Uh, I think it makes it dressier. Um, would I buy this? Probably not if I, if, if I had, if I had the money, if I had money to, if I had the, you know, the funds, if someone gave me the, mo the money to buy a watch at this price point, I'd probably end up um, buying something else. Um, that's just just my my opinion but and also my tastes um but um you know running in the, the 3230 really robust movement it, it it's just a really well manufactured movement and a really well manufactured watch um so that was uh that was the two-tone rolex there's rolex came out with some other watches i think the explorer 2 was pretty controversial as well the fact that there really weren't that many updates besides the movement in the new reference um you can read our, our article about that um, and, and hear our thoughts in our video if you'd like. And then there was uh, a fairly, a, a really, um, a really controversial watch that really hit Instagram and the watch community pretty hard. And that was Automa Piguet's new Black Panther watch. So if you don't know, I'll put a link in the, in the, in the, in the show notes. For you to to check out this watch but basically um there were rumors that automa piggy was um, working with marvel to create some sort of collaboration and um obviously people were speculating you know coming out with the captain america watch or an iron man watch and and uh instead automa piggy released a royal oak concept um which was um you know, utilizing the the figure of the Black Panther, and they created a flying turbulent for this watch. Um, there was a couple, you know, I think the biggest thing about this is that um, a lot of people were questioning why Automa Piguet and and would would collaborate with Marvel. It seems like a weird thing to 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 do, um, but there have been other. Um, other brands who've collaborated with with companies or or, um, or franchises that um, 
you know, in the past. So it isn't isn't too too weird. What was really cool that they did, I thought, was um, the Automapiki created a unique um, unique white gold version of this watch um, and was going to donate the hammer price of, of this piece. And what was really awesome is it ended up um, selling for 5.2 uh, million US dollars and all of that was was um, was donated to underprivileged youth, um, which I think if you are going to come out with something like this, I think that is pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, so, you know, on the surface, I think there's a, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting watch, Flying Turbulent Watch in collaboration with Marvel. So you can see that people would be interested in this and finding something that's a little bit more unique. Um, and basically just to, to, to the, describe the, the watch a, a little bit more, because I, I think um, it's, it's definitely worth uh, <laughs> kind of understanding. So it's a black, black ceramic bezel and, 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 and um, crown titanium case with a satin brushed, um, uh, satin brushed finish to it. The watch itself is 42 millimeters, so it's a fairly large watch. And it's a Royal, Royal Oak and, you know, concept, so it's going to sit a little bit larger. Um, it, it has this, um, this white gold, uh, 3d, uh, 3d, uh, image of the Black Panther on the dial of the watch. And then basically at six o'clock you have this flying turbulent, um, which, uh, looks incredible. The main color combinations with this watch are purple and this kind of like, uh, dark gray, black color. Um, it has a, you know, where the hour indicators are, it has this purple ring, and then it also comes on a purple, uh, I believe it's rubber strap. These watches are going to be sold for, um, 150,000 US, uh, excuse me, 150,000 Swiss francs. Um, and is a, is a, is a, I mean, it, it's hard to say that this is a, this is um, not a beautiful watch. I mean, the, the movement inside of it is the, the hand-wound uh, caliber 2965, really beautiful turbulent uh, movement. I think the biggest thing um, <clears throat> with this piece is going to be the fact that it's a limited edition of 250 pieces. And whether you like it or not, I guarantee that it's gonna be sold out within a couple seconds <laughs> of, of, of being available. Um, you know, Automa Pige, I think people are criticizing Automa Pige for collaborating with something and creating something that's really just for commercial, it's really just a commercial play, I think is what people are thinking about this watch. They think that, you know, they're coming out with a limited edition and and people are gonna buy it because, it, because it's um, unique and what do, you know, Automa Pige fans uh, have in, in relation to, you know, Marvel and, and Black Panther. <clears throat> and I think, I think it's I, uh, sure. Maybe that's your your perspective on it. Um, at the end of the day, I think Automa PA is a is a watch manufacturer. You know, they sell watches, and if they they made something that is going to sell, then this is exactly what they what they should be doing. But a lot of people thought it was just absolutely, um, you know, it looked horrendous. Uh, people compared it to, you know, super classical Royal Oaks, and they're like, how can they create something like this? This is a concept watch. They're having some fun. Um, and at the end of the day, if you don't want it, don't buy it. Um, if you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this is going to diminish their brand um, 
at, at all. Um, if anything, I think it's pre pretty pretty dang cool. <laughs> Um, so th that was uh, one of the other fairly um, controversial um, controversial watches. Uh, I thought I would just talk about something a little bit off the the beaten path here, um, and talk about the um, Arnold and Son Luna Magna that they released, which is a watch that has a really really beautiful um, moon phase uh, to it. Um, that they created out of marble. Um, the watch itself has a has its dial up at um, up at twelve o'clock, and it has a really beautiful, just you know, plain white, blued hands with um, Roman numerals. <clears throat> but then at six o'clock, you have this really incredible um, moon that was uh, made in in marble. I really liked want to draw you know your attention to this because. Um, I think sometimes a lot of you know you get hooked in the in the larger watch manufacturers like Rolex and Breitling, but you should also think about some of the smaller manufacturers that are really doing things um, differently and super innovatively. And so um, they've created this really really beautiful beautiful moon phase um, this really beautiful moon phase out of two different um, type uh, colored marbles, which allows you to kind of obviously see the, the moon phase. It's limited to 28 pieces and they're priced at 44,000 Swiss francs. Um, and for a, a smaller manufacturer, I think this is really awesome. If you, if you have the opportunity to, um, to see one of these watches in, in person, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but um, you know, these are smaller watch manufacturers that have created something really unique instead of just iterating off of um, something that they've done previously. And um, I think they deserve their, their time. Um, the whole process that they went through to actually make that moon phase is, was fairly arduous, I think. And um, I think, again, that, that's, that's the watchmaking that I think is really, really cool. I'll put a link in the show notes to an article where you can read more about it. Um, Hodinki did a great article about um, kind of how they how they did that and how difficult it was, especially getting out the defects and stuff like that. Um, so um, maybe we'll cover it on our on our website as well. I hope you guys enjoyed my thoughts on some of the releases from Watches and Wonders. Let me know what you think. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. Every one of the watches that we spoke about is going to be. We'll have a link in the show notes to that watch. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that. We are on every single podcasting platform, so be sure to check us out there. Um, also, um, if you are new to Life on the Wrist, we are watch enthusiasts who love to create content about watches. We're on all social media platforms. Most of our content is on our website um, through the articles that we release on our blog, but we also have videos that correspond with each of our blog posts. So you can check us out on YouTube as well. If you just search Life on the Wrist, we will be the first one that comes up. So be sure to do that. Also, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, that would be really, really helpful for us. Greatly appreciated. Um, and definitely hit us up on our social medias if you want to talk about some of the releases from Watches and Wanders. I'd love to, to hear your thoughts. And with this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.